0: Well, hello, everyone. This is Richard Carafel from Agility, and welcome to PR Profiles, where we chat with experts in the PR and communications industry. We think PR is the most formidable, dynamic, and rewarding field there is. and We want to introduce you to some of our favorite powerhouses in the industry, and today we're speaking with Melissa Orozco. Hi, Melissa.
1: Hi. Great, thanks for having me. And it's good to see you
0: again. Absolutely, welcome back. Melissa is an award-winning social entrepreneur known for pushing boundaries that challenge the status quo and deliver impressive results. In 2011, Melissa founded Yulu PR, a communications firm mandated to champion socially innovative organizations that are making positive social and environmental impact. ULU was Canada's first PR agency to become a certified B corporation and benefit company. So wonderful to have you, Melissa. Now let's get right to these questions. Now with the belief that stories have the power to drive behavior and social change, you embarked on the development of a new industry, basically impact relations. Now, tell us a little bit about Impact Relations and how it drove you to found the Impact Relations Institute, which was formerly known as the Impact Relations Global Network.
1: Sure. It started around the time when we became a B Corp seven, eight years ago, maybe longer at this point. As more PR firms came into the B Corp community, we realized that there was a bit of an identity crisis. We were doing communications, but we were also doing some impact strategy and planning for our clients. Um, There was also, and as anyone that's listening to this knows that there's some really fun, vibrant sides of PR, but then there's a a dark side of PR too. And there's a lot of spin reputation and, and whatnot. And we wanted to make sure that there was no association with the type of communications that we were doing with spin doctoring. And so we started talking about creating some mandated communications principles and how how that would look, um, are we building an industry? Are we teaching a, a discipline of communications? And that's kind of how we pivoted from the Global Impact Relations Network. Uh, we didn't want to create a new industry association. Uh, what we really wanted to do was focus on educating communicators on how to leverage the skills of communications and the tools of communications um, to drive positive change, and a big difference from traditional PR and traditional strategic communications uh, versus impact relations all comes down to the impact consultancy. We, teach, we use the platform of Impact Relations Institute to teach communicators on how to implement uh, impact strategies into their communications practices and we started doing it ourselves for a long time, and then we we got together with some executives from sustainable brands, Ben and Jerry's, Portobello, Kind Snacks, and then we made it official about three years ago. We registered the nonprofit, we created a governance board, and um, and then we started doing monthly programming. So anybody that's interested, it's we're all about making it accessible to everybody. So it's free to join the sessions. The way we keep track of our numbers and the size of our communities, we ask people, if you're inspired by this pledge, and we have a button on our website, um, impactrelations.org, where you can read the principles, and uh, if you agree with them, pledge to communicate with these principles in mind, Um, and that's just how we kind of keep track of the growth of our community. We're about 1,200 people right now in many countries. The last time I checked, it was around 10 Um, So it's difficult sometimes from a programming perspective to get people together we just sort of base our programming on a North American time zone and um, we've got people from Australia and from London that will uh, tune in late or early depending on where they are to join us.
0: That's really interesting, and you're fighting a, a tough battle there to uh, get rid of the spin doctor uh, mystique that PR seems to have developed, I guess, from the bad behavior of, of, of a few. But that's a noble mission there you're taking on, and h- how is it working out? I know you've got a big community there. You feel like you're making a difference?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. There is a lot right now with the, the anti woke movement, and it's kind of swinging the pendulum the other way, saying, you know, is purpose authentic? Is as well as much as waving an impact and purpose flag and saying, let's embed these principles into your strategies. There's a lot of criticism on the other side saying, is it being done correctly? And that's where the Institute comes in. Um, we want to make sure that it is being done correctly. And there's a there's careful process um, that we always recommend people go through. And it's not black and white. I mean, every, every uh, strategy is going to be approached a little bit differently. But I think the biggest uh, mistake often that's made... When an organization or an agency is trying to execute a purposeful strategy or campaign without going through the careful steps of listening and um, bringing in people with lived experiences, it usually ends up being some backlash. So that's something that we we go into in great detail at the Institute is how to bring in those lived experience and those, those um, reputable consultants to partner with. Think about the UN Sustainable Development Goals, one of the SDGs. is is collaboration and partnerships. And it's it's often overlooked, but it's so important that organizations partner with the right subject matter experts to do this important kind of work. We're doing a really big campaign with Audible called the Indigenous Writer Circle. And it's really great that Audible is doing this because they've got a listening platform and they've got a wide audience and we want to leverage their platform for positive change So we're doing something that is on brand and appropriate, given what their product is, but they're not experts on reconciliation. So we bring in a reconciliation expert and we bring in established Indigenous authors and writers and creators to be mentors for this program. And so there's a very careful process of making sure that you're engaging the right partners and community partners to ensure that that it's resonant, that we're being sensitive to any experiences that people in the program might be going through that we wouldn't know because we haven't had those experiences. So that's just one small example of how a purpose campaign could go off the tracks, not given the consideration to to the approach. Um, But there's many more examples. If we had time, we could unpack lots of them.
0: Oh yes, there are many examples of how a purpose campaign can become derailed for sure. And in fact, uh, we just uh, we have our trends panel every January here at Agility. This year, one of the big trends that all of the panelists wanted to speak to and suggested independent of each other was purpose, purpose-driven PR specifically. And they each had some different views of how they approached those kinds of campaigns and the value of purpose. Uh, one panelist said she believes that purpose-driven campaigns need to be part of a long-term strategy that aligns with the business goals to be successful. And that makes perfect sense. Now, another panelist felt that most brands get purpose wrong because it doesn't align with their competitive advantage or their product or whatever their message is. What are your views on that kind of approach, the purpose-driven PR that, that those two described? And, and how do you think brands can do it in a way that, that is authentic?
1: Sure. So, so um, the, the first point that you made about purpose-driven campaigns need to be part of a long-term strategy. That's true because otherwise it's a PR campaign um, and it's it's a one-off and it's, it's a campaign. It could be a short stunt it could be anything, but it's just a one-off thing and, and, and consumers see right through that. So this didn't happen overnight entirely, but for the rest of the world, it kind of did this movement. And it happened around COVID. It happened around Black Lives Matter happened and Me Too happened. COVID and all these different injustices were taking place at once and the presidential administration shifted and there was just so much, so much divisiveness in society and so brands started latching on to we need to stand for something we can't no longer not stand for something and um, and so there was a, almost like a little bit of a race on okay we need a uh, a trans campaign to come out we need a uh, a campaign that's going to say that we won't stand for for this kind of misconduct and it it became a trend which yes to, to the point of the panelists it is that when they don't go through that like purpose discovery process and realize. What do we stand for? Why do we stand for it? And to go through that process properly, um, the best thing to do to the, to the second point you made about uh, it not being aligned with the either the audience base or the product, it, it needs to sort of make sense. If it doesn't make sense, if, like, if Apple's purpose was to cure breast cancer, that would be a little bit odd. If it was about um, STEM education or something, then that's a little bit more obvious. But if you go through the strategic process, you want to stop being obvious. One thing that we took one of our clients through that's in the music industry, um, we went through the purpose discovery process. And what do you think an organization like yours would stand for? And in the music industry, One of the obvious things that came up in the initial discovery was like, oh, a lack of access to music education. Then when we went under the hood and did a little bit more discovery and spoke with internal and external stakeholders and did some benchmarking, we realized that one of the really big underlining issues in the music industry, especially with um, music performers, is mental health. And so before rolling out a strategy with them, we said, look, this is a really undeniable issue, a big issue within your industry. And if we want to stand behind it authentically, we really need to make sure that your organization is looking out for the mental health and well being of its employees because we can't go out there waving our flag about how mental health is an issue and doing partnerships, and we should, but before that, we need to make look in-house and make sure that everybody in-house is being considered in that purpose statement. So there's just steps for the discovery. There's steps in the rollout. A lot of times we'll tell organizations just to really decondition them from the PR element of it. We'll tell them not to be looking for press or reputation shifting or measurements for the first couple of years. You have to implement it. You need to implement it internally. We want to make sure that their um, company handbook is being uh, considerate to any of the um, items that are covered in their purpose statement, help them create strategies and efforts and programs and partnerships. You notice I haven't sent campaigns to make sure that that purpose is living authentically. And then once it is, there's sort of a natural current that comes of this is what the brand is known for. This is what the organization does. This is what it stands for. It's being demonstrated. So, it's not a quick process. It shouldn't be. More and more brands are starting to understand this is a long term commitment. This is a long term process. There is never a bad time to
0: start this journey. So, you are the chief impact strategist at Yulu, not just the founder, but you were uh, on maternity leave recently, and you were not technically the chief impact strategist at that time because others on the team were kind of leading those efforts for your firm. Now, can you tell me how? important it is for people to be able to jump on board and pitch in like that, because that's clearly a professional development role that's being played out there. So in addition to the professional development you're working with at Yulu, why are impact strategists such an essential role?
1: For a while, when we were making any hire, we'd always hire with communications as the base, as the foundation of their background. And uh, and then we would teach them impact strategy by sending them to conferences and attending as many webinars or listening to podcasts like this one or whatever opportunity there is we put our team toward. Forward, forward. And about three years ago, we started hiring about 50-50. So we want people that have backgrounds in the impact sector too. So we've had people with nonprofit backgrounds, philanthropic, even academics that did research in either sustainability or social justice issues. And we'll bring them in and teach them the communication side and have the learning curve on the other end now, because that's that's the one that we can teach in-house pretty easily. Whereas with the impact consultancy, impact is a broad umbrella, social impact. Impact. And so um, we could be talking about social justice issues. We could be talking about environmental issues and environmental and sustainability. That's so broad too. You have ocean. You have clean energy. You have you know it's it's very vast. So there's there's environmental justice and the bridges the two. And we now we have systems set up. We have divisions in our organization where. We have specialty and subject matter experts in as many of these different subject matter, social justice, environmental areas. And so I can't teach them all of that. Uh, I want to learn from them too. This This is an opportunity for us to all learn from each other. So parental leave has been a great blessing in that sense. We get a year off in Canada. So I knew that being out for a year would mean that the leadership team needed to be in a position to feel comfortable doing this execution and this this strategic work without me. And so about two years ago, we started training everybody to do this kind of stuff and hiring people to to come in that could also teach other people. So when I went on leave, uh, it was very streamlined. We just... At a kickoff call with a major university out of Boston to build out their sustainability programming. And I was just kind of a fly on the wall listening to the team. And it was just very humbling. But a lot of that came from hiring with that expertise as the as the foundation and then teaching a lot of our team members now the communication side of it. So it really is just as important as the communications for our agency and for this discipline of impact relations. It's it's mm-hmm. an amalgamation mm-hmm. of the two expertise together.
0: Yeah, I see. Yeah, it's kind of a foundation of your agency. So obviously you're going to make that part of your onboarding. That's a very interesting approach. So tell me without giving away your secret sauce, what's it like onboarding a new client? Because they need to buy into these things as well, right? How do you set their expectations? And what are some examples of the metrics you use when you're talking about impact?
1: I don't mind giving away our secret sauce. I would love for more organizations to do this kind of work. So, we we give away our secret sauce all the time. So, we we walk through a strategic process that follows change theory. The theory of change is a huge uh, framework and tool in the social impact space. So, we think about the outcome that we want, which is the impact, and we reverse engineer it. And it goes to okay, what's the impact that we want? And how did we get it? And What were some of those steps? And so when we think about how we got it, it's kind of like, well, what was the outcome? And then you will go one step before that. And it was, uh, what were the outputs? Well, the outputs were some communication strategies targeted on this impactful outcome. And then you go a step before that, what were the inputs? Is the the stakeholders, the partnerships, the um, programs that we set. And so you're building a, a change theory model and you're reversing it. And that's how we build our strategies. You can look up change theory and get a framework online. Uh, they're all very similar to each other. And then think about the change that you might want to seek with an organization and just start plugging in the elements. And it's a really simple way to start building your strategy. When you do it so many times, you don't need the framework anymore. You just start building a strategy. And and really, there's it's not a huge departure from strategic communications. That's a huge element within it. Um, in the strategic communications, we take all of our our groups. You need to make sure that you have investment from the leadership team of the organization. If there's not buy-in for an impact initiative, it's never going to be successful. If we don't have community buy-in, let's start there. Let's make sure that we're engaging the community properly to ensure that they are supporting of this effort and employees are always really excited to get behind this. More recently, leadership is very excited to get behind it. There's less fear of a strategy like this. People often ask, how do you measure impact? We do it in proxies. So how much can we expect to move the needle in this short period? Um, To measure the long-term impact of something is very difficult. You'd need to look at. 20 years out. Um, but what we can say is to have the output that we want in 20 years from now, what some of the incremental changes that we need to have in place between now and then, and it might be more school programs supporting this effort. It might be, you know, more decision makers in the government level voting for this. It might be having influence and relationships with, with policymakers uh, and influencing incremental changes. And if we have a little bit of a win there, that's how we're measuring some of the success that we've identified as, as metrics along the way.
0: No, I love what you're saying about start from the inside, make sure that the purpose you're supporting actually becomes a value for your company and start from the outcome you want, then pave the road to get there. I think that should be modern PR right there because, uh, you know, you got all those consumer demands, like you said before. People pay attention now. You know, they may not have done so uh, as much before, before COVID at least. So, well, that's great. Um, Melissa, I'm really impressed w- with what you're doing and I uh, wish you the best of luck. Now, finally, how can people uh, connect with you there at Ulu?
1: Sure. UluPR.com is our website. Um, but if people are inspired to or you know, driven to learn more about Impact Relations, that's impactrelations.org. Don't be afraid to pledge. (laughs) If you pledge, you just, you're automatically sort of looped into any of the Institute's information that we share. Um, It's just education stuff and you can subscribe out at any moment. Um, But you can go to impactrelations.org to learn about our next impact council. And these are monthly webinars that we hold through Zoom calls. We have had speakers from Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, Southwest Airlines. They're all sharing Examples of how they've navigated the strategic process of implementing a social justice stance or an impactful stance and how the community responded to it or how different stakeholders responded to it, how they worked through that. And so there's lots of good learnings, lots of really great speakers, lots of great uh, individuals that you could be meeting in your respective industry, too
0: all right Melissa thank you so much and that's all the time we have and again we've been chatting with Melissa Orozco founder of Yulu PR and thanks for joining us today Melissa appreciate your time thank you okay we hope you've enjoyed this episode of PR profiles brought to you by agility we'd love to introduce you to our all-in-one PR platform it's easy to use intuitive and backed by a top notch customer support team agility can help streamline your media relations so head over to agilitypr.com today to get a personalized demo and thanks for tuning in everybody and thanks to melissa and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode